When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Wednesday night, September 8th. You know what that means. It was one of the most anticipated AEW Dynamites in their short company history, which means it's one of the most anticipated post-AEW Dynamite podcasts here on Wrestling Inc. I'm Justin Labar alongside my partner in crime, Alfred Kunoa. Follow him on Twitter at This Is Nasty. Read him on Forbes.com. Alfred, we have plenty to fill the hour. Absolutely. And this is the most anticipated post AEW podcast. Uh, so, you know, we got to get a little more credit to that, but it's good <laughs> to be here. And uh, yeah, I'm very excited to talk about this show because it's definitely action packed. There is a lot to talk about. And uh, I thought it was, uh, for the most part, a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, a lot of fun. Of course, it's the uh, fallout from All Out. Uh, AEW's a big pay-per-view this past Sunday. Certainly a ton of headlines. There was a post-podcast on it Sunday night here in Wrestling Inc. We touched on a little bit uh, again Monday night after uh, Raw. But, of course, Alfred and I are going to dive into all the aftermath of what really started to develop as we started getting the, the first signals and signs of uh, who these new arrivals, what their first storylines and opponents will be. We have new storylines and, and, and controversy popping up. So a lot to unpack. Uh, and a very hot show coming from Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, but Alfred, before we do that, let's uh, take a look at some news that's going on uh, in the world of pro wrestling, uh, stretching across both AEW, uh, the wrestling world, and then, of course, WWE. Uh, the first one, uh, dealing with WWE, but a serious and, and a real-life situation, looks like it's going to have a happy ending, but that being uh, Paul Triple H Levesque undergoing a heart surgery after a cardiac event, now WWE did publicize this. They put out a press release. Uh, they talked about it on social media, uh, confirming that the WWE executive, uh, he underwent a successful p- procedure uh, today at Yale New Haven Hospital in New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, it was noted that the operation was needed after a cardiac event was caused by what they said is a genetic heart issue. Uh, and he is expected to make a full recovery. So, uh, you know, obviously good that he's going to be okay. And just in a time right now where it seems like there's just no real positive WWE headlines, work work or otherwise. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm just glad that this whole thing was kind of under wraps until we found out that he's going to be, you know, positive recovery. Because, uh, you know, I'm just glad that when I first heard the the news that he had a heart procedure, you know, you get a little nervous and you – you wonder what's happening and if he's going to be okay. But to read that he's going to make a full recovery is really good so that no speculation runs wild. And you're absolutely right in terms of all the news, not only with WWE, but with NXT in particular. And uh, Paul Levesque, Triple H kind of being on the wrong end of a lot of headlines. And this is just another one that just kind of go along with it. So I'm just glad that he's doing okay and that he's happy and that he's healthy. And hopefully, you know, the day is darkest before the dawn. So this is probably the worst it's going to get. And uh, for the next year, even more in 10 years, NXT and Triple H are going to be on the upwards and on the mend. Yeah, and what you said is is fact. It's just uh, in terms of the timing uh, right now with, you know, again, just not a lot. It's not, it's not, it's not very, if you look at a certain population of wrestling fans online, how the headlines are and what this, just the general state is uh, of, of departures, big names going to the competition uh, right now. It, it doesn't feel too cool to be team WWE, uh, but I, I do. And I, I retweeted somebody on Twitter and I, I just want to say this again. 
yeah the timings there of like yeah nxt and changes and is this triple h's nxt anymore and all that stuff i get it you're not no nobody's the first person to think of that so just lay off the what calls triple h to have a heart problem or a broken heart like i saw a lot of really bad embarrassing and quite frankly just disrespectful like attempts to be funny on twitter when this news broke and you know come on like it, yeah, and that's unfortunate because I did the opposite. As soon as I heard about the heart issue, I was just like, man, all this bullshit about you know politics and backstage and who's in power just meant nothing to me in that moment. I was like, wow, this is an actual human being. It kind of reminded me that all these figures that we always talk about, as entertaining as salacious as it is to talk about this kind of stuff when real life stuff happens, I just wish more people would kind of realize, okay, this is human beings we're dealing with instead of saying, oh, this is another way that we can make this controversial. Yeah, I mean he's a uh, he's a husband, he's a father to to some to daughters, you know, to to little girls. So let's let's uh, yeah. let's, let's let's remember let's remember what sometimes we argue about uh the you know a predetermined genre of sports entertainment. Let's let's make sure we divide the line of what's what's real life and what's not, and what's worth what's worth what's 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 worth getting emotional over. All right, uh, as I said, kind of uncool to be Team WWE these days, uh, and the hits just keep on coming. And uh, the latest being. Uh, some WWE officials reportedly having heat over contract situations. Now, of course, uh, if you've been paying attention, you've seen Adam Cole show up in WWE or show up, excuse me, leave WWE's uh, world and show up in AEW. We've seen Brian Danielson. We've seen Malachi Black. We've seen uh, a host of legends jump over. Uh, there's even a rumor coming out of uh, Fightful Select uh, that potentially Kevin Owens could be one, uh, that his contract actually is going to end up being expired this January, which is uh, about a year sooner than a lot of people were led to believe, but supposedly his contract was um, restructured uh, as a result of the pandemic and different financial choices. So having said all of that, uh, in an update, Fightful Select also has a report saying there's significant heat in relation to people, quote, falling asleep at the wheel, Alfred, uh, with the fact that details and planning of NXT contracts uh, and just keeping tabs with it. And remember, and Malachi Black may be one of the more um, embarrassing ones if you're WWE uh, in the office, that the fact that he they didn't even realize that his non-compete was only a 30-day non-compete, which was it was still the NXT non-compete, so to speak, and they didn't never changed it to the 90-day. And this is a guy who'd been on the main roster for a couple years uh, and just, you know, nobody happened to, to, to dot that I, cross that T. So, you know, it's, it seems to be uh just again kind of a little bit of just chaos it seems in the wwe office uh of of keeping track of of who's where and and, and what's where and, and then never mind morale seemingly being uh you know floundering yeah and, and that's unacceptable to the amount of times that this has happened you know if this happens once the alistair black thing that happened when he went from alistair to malachi black within the span of 30 days i thought man that's unacceptable but the fact that this has happened multiple times with three people now who are at the level of star power they are in terms of some of your top stars whether it be on nxt or wwe and people who absolutely AEW would love to have i think is unacceptable for wwe to be going through this in terms of a company at the level that they are so I can only imagine uh, the heads that might be rolling. And, you know, I'd never want to see somebody lose their job. But I remember we had heard uh, after the Alistair Black thing happened that uh, Kamian Seaman, I believe, was the individual who lost his job over this. And, I mean, this is something that really cannot happen in terms of WWE, especially with their top flight uh, free agents, especially in a time like now with, you know, AEW presenting competition. Uh, absolutely cannot happen once, let alone three times. So something needs to change infrastructurally for WWE. Yeah, and, you know... Again, right now it's it's um, you know I think I think it was Russell votes made a very uh, very 
poignant tweet earlier today saying it's not the story is it's starting to become not who's going to leave WWE, but who's actually going to stay when their contract expires. And, you know, that's just a different way to look at it uh, right now. You know, but I've got to ask you, I mean, because you and I haven't got to talk um, in a couple of weeks, actually. Uh, we didn't we weren't together last Wednesday and obviously a lot's transpired this past week. You know, we knew all these names were rumored. Obviously, we talked about CM Punk. We knew Brian was rumored. We knew there was a potential for Adam Cole to to end up end up in AEW. And I understand Tony Khan saying like there, you know, it's there is no salary cap to the roster. There is no like you know numerical limit of I can only have a hundred guys or whatever the number is. Uh, you just acquire a good talent when you have an opportunity, which is fair. You you always want your roster to be evolving, and if there's a talent out there that can help you, if if you have the means to get them, and AEW has all the financial means and they have the a great distribution but i i still have to believe out for near numbers guy you still have to look at this surge of free agency as a bubble like you would look at the real estate bubble like you would look at you know a, a, a bubble for certain types of stocks eventually it just has to pop eventually there there has to be a pop to it you you cannot i mean like you can't turn around and all, like if, if AEW and i'm making this number up but who i'd love to sit and count it if AEW has 60 wrestlers under contract right now if you wake up in 6 8 months and all of a sudden now you have 100 all under the guise of well we just couldn't turn away that was a really good young talent who we could work them through dark and get them up through rising and then Kevin Owens because oh well, we got to have him you know he, like it, it, you only have so many t I mean I, yeah I guess dark and elevation could be as long as you want it to be and yeah you can they are good at sneaking like thirty or forty five second pre tape promos in just to further just a reminder of a story but at some point the bubble has to pop a hundred percent and I think it's on its way to doing just that and economically there's also diminishing marginal returns where you're only going to get so much added value of the certain types of guys that you bring in and we're already starting to see that with CM Punk and AEW Rampage if you've seen these last two weeks I mean I'm shocked at the number of people who have kind of fled from AEW Rampage since that debut no I did not expect them to do a million every single week but for a show that is promoted as a show that has had CM Punk's presence on it that has had some top flight top tier wrestlers on it the fact that he got that 1.1 million and then now we're at 696 where it's under 700,000 I mean it lost to NXT this past week if you want to get technical to it and I do think that there is a limit to the amount of people that AEW continues to stockpile and sign before you know a, the narrative develops that fans are starting to have backlash against all these former WB guys, who a lot of whom are killing it. But B, and I think more importantly, the locker room, because we talk about how WB is the uncool company right now, but the grass is always greener on the other side. And once it's contract time, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people within that AEW locker room who feel that they have not been utilized to their best ability, that they have not been prioritized because of the former WB guys who are now kind of positioned as top stars. And that's something that AEW is going to have to tread lightly doing. Sure. And, and let me, let me, again, let me, be clear like I, this is a super exciting time i was very oh, yeah. excited to watch dynamite and i got a lot to say about dynamite a lot of it positive uh so don't i don't want fans to think that i'm complaining about the boom that we've been waiting for for 20 or not not even a boom but just just the competition that we've really been waiting for for 20 years you know WWE. it's it, this is it's not new in the last two years that WWE has been complacent or has um you know really handcuffed talent w w you know it, that, that that's not a new story the story is that they now they have <laughs> Now there's actual competition for this talent to go, okay, I don't have to put up with this anymore. I have another place I can go and make equal, if not better money, and have, you know, pretty good, be seen by a pretty good number of eyes that that's continuing to overall build. So I'm very excited, but it, it is something to look at big picture. And to what Alfred said, eventually the AEW or originals, 
their contracts are going to come up and they're going to go, well, my TV time's really gotten slashed since yeah. A, B, and C came in. So, you know, and that, and then there is disgruntledness. So there is, you know, there is going to finally be, you know, people who do get released, don't get their contracts renewed, don't get the money they want, do a shoot interview. Uh, you know, it's it's it, it's going to be a fun time to watch. Man, uh, the AEW shoot interviews are coming, man. I can't yeah. wait. No, but I agree with you. It, it's great for the business. This is always what people instead in terms of competition. And I love the fact that wrestlers now have other places to go and they have some leverage. It's great to see. Well, and I will say this. I It, it does seem Tony Khan... And, and, and I mean, I'm, it, I'm sure, you know, he's even referenced, you know, admiring Vince, especially Vince in the old days, in the earlier days. It does seem right now Tony Khan obviously is super accessible. You know, you, we hear the horror stories about, you know, talent uh, who who are just trying to get on TV, trying to get out of catering. And, and they wait hours and sometimes weeks uh, the spending hours outside of Vince's office and can't get through to him. And, and when they do get through to him, it's a it's a very lukewarm you know, uh, interaction or or, or or response to his to their pitches. It, it to Tony's credit, he does seem like he's making himself a- accessible to everybody. Whether you are CM Punk or whether you are you know pick you know pick low level marginal talent, you know he 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 listens to every which. Well, let's see if that can maintain as your company grows. Can can he sustain that type of uh, level? So, but to his credit, as it does start to if if and when guys and girls do get disgruntled or do start to question hey where's my tv time where's my booking it does feel like there at least would be a better chance for lines of communication and lines of um you know uh middle ground being found right. to happen jody shauna jenkins five canadian if your revenues continue to grow then you absolutely continue continue to add key players in theory as you get better the bottom line will grow well true you know you you, you jody shauna jenkins um you know, if their pay-per-view numbers are going to continue to do better because they have more of these big names that do attract a, a, a different audience or an audience that wants to see them in fresh matchups, uh, certainly all out's probably the best pay-per-view by they've ever done. Yeah, that will increase revenue uh, if they can continue to sell these venues out really well. But mind you, they only—they're only—you know—it's not like they do house shows. It's not like they do a, a, an extra bit of touring. Um, you know, they—they don't—you know—they uh, don't have a, an AEW network. So it's not like they're monetizing off their off their library that's continuing to grow each week as they tape all this hours of content so i mean they have revenue but it's certainly not as many streams as by comparison to wb so it is gonna be interesting to see how quick can the revenue go up to keep pace with the expanding locker room right and i don't think the question even is can they add key players they absolutely can especially with the money that they're making i think they're in good position to continue to add as many free agents as they want i don't think the issue is whether or not they can i think it is whether or not it's feasible to feature them on television you could already tell with the roster that they have right now people are cycled in and out and in and out and somebody gets three weeks on tv and then they're gone for a while and it is hard for them to sustain. So as they get more TV time, I think that's going to decide whether or not they should be able to add uh, key players. But I, I think with three hours of TV a week, you might be at your limit in terms of being able to consistently feature the amount of people they want. Well, and if their viewership continues to grow uh, and they do continue to position and build, and have the company with these major names, um, you know, I will say when they come back around for uh, TV rights, they, they could get a whole lot of rights uh, from from they could get a whole lot of uh, good TV rights from, you know, TNT and TBS, Warner Media. you know, so that's yeah. that's something to keep an eye on, too. Absolutely. And there's going to it's not going to just be Warner Media content is king right now. And you've got a company that's doing this well in 18 to 49. It's going to be more than just Warner Media. There's a lot of streaming services looking to really establish themselves and that pro wrestling audience, especially AEW's audience, very loyal, is going to travel with it. There's a lot of value there. So it's, it's going to be some uh, good arms races having to have for AEW and even WWE, of course. 
All right, and finally, let's take a look at the PWI. Pro Wrestling Illustrated has put out their top 500 for 2021, and your number one ranked is your AEW uh, world champion, Kenny Omega. And, of course, this is always fun. This always uh, Alpha brings up, brings about a ton of uh, debate and controversy. Number two was the head of the table, the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. Uh, we also had Bobby Lashley up there, Drew McIntyre, Kota Ibushi, John Moxley, Will Ospreay, Finn Balor. So uh, a mix of names uh, for the different companies and around the world. Uh, but of course, that's the debate uh, of the AEW and the WWE fans who tend to be split is uh, Kenny Omega or Roman Reigns. Um, do you have any issue with this one, too? No, and I like the fact that there was a bit of a two-horse race. Usually, the PWI 500 doesn't really catch me by surprise in terms of who's number one. Sometimes it's controversial, but I like the fact that we were in a year where it's like the two big wrestling companies have these two dominant champions, and it's which one of these guys is number one. And I, I really like that there was that dynamic for it. You know, I have no problem with it being Kenny Omega because if we're going to tell the story of pro wrestling in 2021, I know it's probably going to piss some people off, but AEW was the hotter company in 2021 if we were to look at these two companies and how they're kind of going about their business right now in terms of uh, from, uh, you know, creatively, in terms of critically acclaimed, whatever you want to call it. But uh, I do think that Kenny Omega just edged Roman Reigns. And I like that number three was the next world champion, Bobby Lashley. And I really love the first time in the history of the PWI 500, Lashley and Rich Swan top 10 first time two black men in the top 10 so i like seeing that and i dislike the fact that this reflects that there's it's the year of the dominant world champion we saw a lot of champions whether it was kenny omega bobby lashley uh roman reigns they've all been the kind of dominant champions and they're all in the top three so a very good encapsulation of what 2021 was in pro wrestling and you know it's all a matter again it comes down to criteria it comes down to you know what are we basing on it's it's the famous you know you, you, know, you can who's your mount rushmore well are you talking about who drew the most money are you talking about who put on the best five-star matches you know and i i think i look at it as i think yeah kenny omega you can make the case the number one bell to bell wrestler uh but i will say roman reigns is the number one character yeah. and and the story that has been the story that's been built around him as the tribal chief and and just just i mean just the overall uh, in the last 12 months with him since he returned and had Paul Heyman by his side and doing this heel run. Uh, you know, I think he's number one if you want to go in that. But but PWI is more traditional, you know, looking a little bit more also at number of matches, you know, the wins loss, you know, the bell to bell performance. Um, you know, they're taking character, of course, in consideration. But I, I, I can see Omega edging out Roman for that reason. But, uh, you know, in my mind, you know. Out of 500, there ain't no shame of being number two, quite frankly. No, out, absolutely out not. No. You could have so. done worse. Could have done a lot worse. But, uh, no, it's great. It's always a fun time, you know, that PW 500. I always like the discussion. And now we have that added dynamic of AEW versus WWE, so it makes those arguments a little bit more spicy. You know, I love that. Yeah, because I mean, you know, if you're if you're part of the 500, great. Because then there's there's hundreds more, the hundred hundreds, maybe even thousands more wrestlers who are like, oh, I must be 501. Then I just yeah, yeah. they just didn't print my name. <laughs> I've had wrestlers tell me, like, oh, brother, I was 502, but they just didn't make the final cut. Yeah. But, no, it's good to see. And you know what I love about the PWI 500 is a lot of wrestlers who maybe you've never heard of, you'll see on the PWI. It's how I find out about new guys every single time in terms of, oh, let me check this guy out on YouTube. I don't think I've really heard of this person. Or I've seen this guy's name before, but I don't really think I've seen him work. So that's a good thing about it. Yeah, go back to PWI's 500 list like to four or five years ago, and you and, and you were going to find a ton of names. You're going to go, oh, that's they're on AEW now or oh they're in NXT you know so yeah it is a fun it is a fun way to kind of especially if you get down on the second half of the of the list it's a fun way to kind of uh try to you know it, it's a fun way to look at it it's your own tape trading way to quickly figure out who who is it you have not discovered yet that you need to discover 
All right, let's get into uh, AEW Dynamite again, coming from uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Tonight's so built very heavily around the factor in Cincinnati. John Moxley's advertised in the main event. We're also going to get another big Cincinnati uh, uh, centralized uh, aspect of booking of where they are uh, later on in this uh, show. But we kick it off with Malachi Black taking on Dustin Rhodes. Of course, the the feud with the Rhodes family continuing. And uh, I got to say, you know, they, they, they worked Dustin's leg in this match. These those lethal Malachi Black kicks. Uh, Dustin got a little bit of face paint, you know, the half face paint in Alfred. Of course, you know, Dustin's a legit 6'6". He's taller than Blacks. I mean, he looks like a formidable opponent. And this is, um, you know, this was this was the most contested, you know, the most opposition Black got. I mean, he, you know, he borderline basically squashed Cody, and he's, he's been pretty decisive in other matches. So this was the most he was really challenged uh, by Dustin. Uh, in the end, though, uh, Dustin is going to get some blood, uh, and Black's going to uh, win with a spinning heel kick. But... Um, you know, overall, I thought this was, a, this was a solid opening contest, and of course, they black pulled out Cody Rhodes's boot from under the ring at one point. So uh, it's just a matter of when we get Cody Rhodes to return, and and then you know what kind of you know what kind of uh, return match we are going to get eventually between Cody and Black. Well, it looks like that's going to be at Flushing Meadows. I believe they're going to uh, have it on the twenty second. So it's uh, I think that might be the reason that they had such a competitive match because like you're setting up the final boss, Cody. Uh, but I agree. I really would have preferred Malachi Black to just lay out Dustin Rhodes. But I will say Dustin's just been fantastic in terms of as a professional wrestler from the promo that he cut on Rampage, and I just think he is very good in there. There's no slight against Dustin. I just would have preferred the story of Malachi Black absolutely just slaughtering the Nightmare Factory and then getting to. Cody Rhodes, and I really do think he should win that match. He's a guy who I think they've done such a good job with him. They, you can't pay that crowd to boo him. Like, he's supposed to be this monster heel, but these people were chanting for Malachi Black, and yeah, it did get 50-50 at one point, but this guy is really being presented. I don't know what they're going to have to do, but they're going to have to come up with more ways to try to get this guy booed, but other than that, I think he's just been fantastic. Yeah, I mean, there's a short list of people who really can get the overwhelming chorus of boos all the time. I mean, obviously, MJF's right there on top of the list, uh, so... Um, as we saw tonight, too. as we saw tonight, which we'll get to. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree. I, I would have no problem. You, you, it would seem kind of, oh, Cody's going to come back. He's going to tie it up and beat Black, get some revenge. And now we're at one and one. Maybe we get a, a tiebreaker, a rubber match. But yeah, I'm all for kind of swerving it and having, you know, let Cody let Cody take Black a little bit further to the limit and have a little bit more of a, of a close of, of a falsy of, of a near fall. But I agree. Keep the keep the win streak going for Malachi Black. Nathaniel Cook, 499. Thank you, Nathaniel. Says AEW is a great alternative from WWE, but I do hope they continue to build around their homegrown stars, MJF, Sammy Guevara, Darby Allen. Love you guys. I love you too, man. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, and, and, and look, it all signs point towards those three, as you name right there. Those three are being worked in to the to work with the new arriving stars uh, that have you know credibility from elsewhere. So yeah, those three are definitely ones that um you know that yeah, it doesn't seem like they're going to be you know they're they're not being dropped off they're not being forgotten uh they are you know elevate they're elevating themselves up to to the highest level they've ever been uh, in their careers thus far. So that is that is good. In long term, they're going to have to build around some of the homegrown stars. I think, you know, the the free agents like the Stings of the world that you're seeing, even the C- CM Punk's and Daniel Bryan's that are coming in, their job is to kind of push forward, as they've even said in promos, push forward this current generation. So eventually, I think AEW is going to get to a point, hopefully within the next five, maybe even 10 years, but probably closer to five, where it doesn't feel like it needs as many as these guys who would, I guess, be called part-timers or people who aren't going to wrestle every week and be part of that homegrown full time staff 
big uh big propaganda wrestling podcast 499 says mjf for cm punk on the microphone would be gold we heard both of them on the microphone. and i do by the way i do think that is one that's on the list that they are going to build to but i think that's that is a key timing spot that is a we wait until we get around to a certain big show to do that i think you have a lot of things with mjf to do you have you know an eventual split maybe with wardlow and of course you have what we saw with mjf that transpired tonight that we'll get to cm punk also on the mic and now for we talk about you know homegrown stars of AEW being built and elevated by guys like punk well it looks like we're going to go down that avenue uh right now as punk comes out uh you know very certainly not scripted you can tell very off the cuff kind of promo uh he shouts out cincinnati shouts out john moxley shouts out um uh, Linda Pillman, who, who's their ringside, uh, uh, Brian Pillman's mom, shouts out Ruby Soho, Adam Cole, Brian Danielson. And he, and he asked the fans, who's next? Who should be next for CM Punk? Uh, and as everybody's ch- uh, chanting names, all of a sudden Taz, who's on commentary tonight, he grabs a mic and interrupts. And he starts to try to be polite, and then things get amped up. Punk doesn't like being interrupted. And then Taz starts to get starts to get hot and starts to say, don't ever name anybody from TT. Keep them out of your mouth. And Punk's like, I didn't. I didn't say any of your guys. And Taz kind of defends it at all. I've heard you say it on interviews and this and that. Keep their names out of your mouth. Uh, ultimately, though, here comes Powerhouse Hobbs and Hook. They're standing by Taz. And Punk says, fine, let's do it. Go ahead and send Hobbs. Send Hook. Go, Give go. me Ricky Starks. Let's and go. Then he, and then he drops them with the send them all. Beat me if they can. Survive if I let them. Of course, that's Taz's famous catchphrase yeah. if you're unfamiliar. Alfred, did you like this? I did like it. I, listen, it was a left turn. I'm sure a lot of people were surprised. I especially loved uh, Taz and how he was in this segment in terms of he kind of hinted towards it. it was his offhand, and I thought it was real, where he kind of got hot at Tony Schiavone because Schiavone suggested that CM Punk was the one who sold out Flushing Meadows, and Taz was like, well, we've got a whole roster of guys. What do you mean CM Punk? And so I, I thought it was really good that that then led to Taz calling out CM Punk, where he just kind of worked himself up into a shoot a little bit. But I, I loved that. And I do like the fact that CM Punk is now going to, for the foreseeable future, work with lesser known talents because I'm sure it's going to lead to something. I'm sure between now and the next pay-per-view, CM Punk will have some big program with one of the name brand people who've already been established. But I absolutely love that they're uh, doing this with Team Taz. The thing about Team Taz is they're like a high-end Washington Generals where they've never really been consistent with Team Taz. They always kind of feed them to big stars. And that's what I kind of expect to happen here. But I do love the fact that CM Punk, which is a big name right now in pro wrestling, is going to be working with, especially guys like Ricky Starks and Will Hobbs, I just feel like are a couple matches or programs away from really getting their feet wet. And, you know, I hope Will Hobbs beats CM Punk clean so that I can get all that smoke in my DMs. Yeah, I, I got to say, I, I thought the Taz getting hot was a little bit too manufactured of anger. You know, like it was like, I mean, I mean, I don't know if Punk was supposed to. Like Punk should have, I mean, I know he was naming like a lot of them were guys that just, and girls that just showed up. But, you know, he probably should have said a Ricky Starks name or something. Cause they did seem just really random for Taz. To say, or or, or if, if you're not going to name Team Taz guys, have Taz get on the mic and say, what? Screw Adam Cole, screw Mox, screw, you know, you better be recognizing Team Taz. It, so yeah. it just, the route they went was kind of whatever. But all that aside, uh, Team Taz has, f- has been a little flat up to this point, but I think that's the why they are the right reason to let Punk put some shine and, and give a little rub to them. Because, yeah, then we would see Hobbs in a match here in a minute. And, I mean, Powerhouse Hobbs, he just looks it. He's got this strength. Uh, obviously, Ricky Starks has got charisma for days. So it's like Team Taz, the package, hasn't been the most you know, fluid and consistent thing. And, and it's been a little stop and go at times, but the participants in it, namely Starks and Hobbs 
have certainly got bright futures. So yeah, I'm I'm all for that that being a direction that we go for Punk here uh, for the foreseeable future. Because and I, and I'm all for him working with all even Hook, who I, you know I don't know where Hook's at in his. We haven't seen Hook have a mat or. No, Not I don't believe we have. He's just done a couple of suplexes. He's he he's very good at going viral for whatever his hair looks like or what he's wearing. There's yeah. there's something to that kid to where whenever he's on camera, people want to talk about him. So once he starts actually wrestling, maybe it'll be better too. Yeah, I stopped because I didn't know maybe if he had wrestled on Dark Elevation, I missed it. But he's definitely not wrestled yeah. on Dynamite. So I mean, but yeah, maybe. I mean, but you know, Punk go, working with all of them had a little little bit of a of a, of a gauntlet style going through all the team Taz. Uh, I have no problem with that. So uh, we'll see how that starts to unfold. Uh, here in the coming weeks, uh, we get a Ruby Soho promo. Uh, she's interrupted by Britt. There's a nice little back and forth war of, war of words between these two, as Ruby says Britt's got all these nicknames because she does. She wants to disguise uh, what she's not, uh, and then Britt start, which is she's not the baddest bitch on the block. And Ruby says it's my block now, and then Britt's Britt starts uh, talking about, uh, oh, you know, you call yourself the uh, the runaway or whatever it is. Oh, why don't you go run away to Cater Ants where you've been the last four years? So. Oh, God. Oh, you ain't got to do it like that. <laughs> so uh, this uh, obviously Ruby and Britt eventually going to have a match after um, this past Sunday's stipulations. But Ruby's going to have a match later on against Jamie Hayter. So that kind of gives a little little juice to that one to look forward to. This is All very right. good. This is yeah. very good. I, I think I wish th- this is one of those things. If we're going to go the WWE AEW comparison, the promos between the women in AEW always seem more legitimate than they always seem more scripted with women in WWE in terms of they're trying to figure out how women talk. And this was just a good back and forth. The Brit Barter up and uh, Ruby Soho is very good baby face. And I'm, you know, I'm very excited for this feud. Yeah, me too. Me too. All right. So we get powerhouse Hobbs. He's out in the ring up against Dante Martin. Uh, this has got a lot of a, a little, a little things are off time. I don't know. Some things seem sloppy, but then they did settle in. We saw some great power spots by Hobbs. Most notably, Dante's going to go Hobbs on the outside. Dante's going to go try to do a suicide dive through the middle rope and Hobbs catches him perfectly and catches him. And, and Martin's feet are still dangling on the ropes. And, and Hobbs is just slinging him around against the ring post, slinging him into the guardrail, just looking like a beast. Um, really looked apart. He eventually is going to win with a power slam after a match. It's going to go two segments here. So powerhouse Hobbs again, after this match, I was even more like, yeah, give me a powerhouse Hobbs and a CM Punk. What, 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 you know, that's, I don't even know what to expect out of that. Um, so this was a really good showing of Powerhouse Hobbs, who obviously needed to look strong uh, after the Taz CM Punk segment just a few uh, bits minutes earlier. Yeah, yeah. The only criticism that I would have made in terms of coming out of Team Taz getting a shot at CM Punk is like, well, why should we believe in these guys? You can't just have CM Punk just be fed Team Taz and they don't even look strong in some sort of way. Uh, but then you saw Will Hobbs immediately look great in that match. I thought Dante Martin looked great, too. I thought a lot of the good action was during the picture in picture. They had a lot of cool spots uh, that they you know, didn't let up uh, just because they're on commercial. And I just really like the fact that they built up Team has he built up will hobbs for the time being and this will at least add some juice to what cm punk is doing over the next few weeks absolutely well a lot of people might be excited about adam cole brian danielson cm punk ruby soho all named in this next promo (laughs) while everybody else can be excited dan lambert is not he's up in the skybox with scorpio sky and ethan page flanking him and dan lambert name drops all those new arrivals here in aew and says oh yeah a bunch of skinny dorks. Bunch of skinny dorks and all you people want to chant AEW and you think that this is the greatest wrestling company in the world, but you're just fooled. Yeah, and I mean, just cutting the promo here. I mean, and I think Siobhan even says that, oh, a delusional old man who's just mad at the world. And the Dan Lambert, heel, him and MJF, man, they're right there. 
I, I think he's great. I, he's talking about all these little. Listen, man, he's not wrong. He's not a hundred percent wrong. Like that's the thing about Dan Lehrer that makes him such a great heel. It's like these are valid points. Now, are they extreme? Are they a little, uh, you know, toxic? Is it the right way to go about it? In terms of a heel, no. And that's why he's so great about it. That's why he's such a great heel. Is he's good at coming off obnoxious? And I, I am very interested in the men of the year and uh, where they go with this. Because you know, he can only cut so many promos before they have to start wrestling and getting into actual storylines. But I can watch this guy do this every single week. And this was a one take live promo by Dan Lambert once again, and he just absolutely killed it. Yeah. It, and but you know, and he keeps teasing, like, you know, looking for real men, looking for a tag team. To, to, who's gonna come challenge these guys? Uh, you know, what, where does that lead to? Uh, I mean, is there somebody already in house that 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 we're not thinking of? It's going to step up. I mean, attack Lance Archer, so I'm guessing Lance will come with somebody, or he'll try to take him on himself, and that'd be some good shine to the men of the year while protecting Lance Archer by having them beat him two on one. So. Uh, you know, you could say that they beat Lance Archer, but it is two on one. But I, that's the last time there was any physicality is they attack Lance Archer and they haven't really followed up on that. Yeah, I have to wait and see. But yeah, the Dan Lambert stuff, he, you're right. And that's the thing. One take people don't have. I mean, yeah, he had a, he had an earpiece and he had an IFB, but I don't think he was being fed lines. I think he was actually because he's up in the skybox. I don't think they and the, and the camera was obviously not in the skybox. It was a camera that was shooting from somewhere else in the arena. I think it was, I think the earpiece was to act as a, a producer to tell him time wise, like yeah. wrap it up. We got to get out. Uh, yeah, incredible stuff by Dan Lambert, who's, who's really settling in, in his role. Sean Wiley, ten dollars. CM Punk setting the ta- setting with Taz's group is Dan Lambert. I love his promos, but what's the end game for his group? And I really think Ricky Starks should end up with the acclaim. The egos would click. So uh, yeah, a lot of things to, to consider in the, in the fantasy booking there, Sean. Well, if uh, if Dan Lambert was able to get heat, MJF says, "Hold my beer." <laughs> so mjf comes out with wardlow behind him fans of course riding mjf chanting you tapped out of course he tapped out has uh you know loses chris jericho on a sunday uh mjf does the does the rick flair heel thing i didn't actually lose i won and then there's extreme bias against me match gets restarted whole thing yeah, yeah that's what i love that's that great old-fashioned heel tactics alfred yeah. you, you can lose and lose and lose and then somehow you always end up on the winning side of things or you know it, it's, it's like rick flair held the title for how many years and he never won the match somehow i you know it's always a thing of beauty uh so mjf really kind of skirts out of this one but then he starts to really just shit on cincinnati he's taught he's just running down cincinnati the people in it and then the teams uh he then calls out linda pillman uh linda pillman uh the, the, the mother who raised brian pillman senior uh brian's daughter brian pillman senior's daughter who was pregnant is there and mjf just starts to go after her going after her being pregnant the baby's daddy calling her 16 and pregnant um and then interrupted now by brian pillman jr who's on the stage while mjf's back in the ring and you know pillman jr's obviously trying to put over his city put it over being a place uh, that breeds toughness uh and then mjf takes a step further and calls pillman's pillman jr's mom whose name's melanie uh methany i believe is what uh and 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 then that sends pillman jr to the ring wardlow's trying to stand in the middle they keep talking uh and finally uh finally you know they get physical and 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 wardlow having been verbally berated by uh uh, mjf also wardlow's kind of conflicted whether or not he should even help mjf but he does pull pillman off of him uh, and so there's so much to unpack here. Obviously, we continue to tease the issues of Wardlow and MJF. So that's that's that. But that's that's got a long way going. 
the thing is here is Pillman Jr., right? Pillman Jr. is going to get a match at, at the Arthur Ashe show uh, on the 22nd against MJF, as we find out. First off, do you like this spot? Do you like that for everybody you can have MJF fight at this big show in Queens? Do you like it being something new in a Brian Pillman Jr.? Yes, I do. I absolutely do like it, especially after this segment. If you were to tell me before we saw this segment that that's what's going to happen, that would not be my answer. I'd be like, well, that seems a little weird. It seems a little early to just be heating Brian Pillman Jr. up. But I think they gave Brian Pillman Jr. a small opening to just kind of hit this one out of the park. And that's exactly what he did. And I think he really established himself as a very viable babyface. And just seeing the babyface promo he cut, he seemed like, you know, obviously he was in his hometown. He was in Cincinnati. He was going to get that support. But it's no easy feat to do what he did. It could have easily come off as corny. But he did a great job as like a fiery babyface against what was, you know, MJF was just showing off as a heel, just showing all the different ways he can get heat. I can make fun of the city and get cheap heat. I can make fun of the opponent. I can make fun of his mom. I can make fun of my bodyguard. And he was just doing it in different ways. And then for him to play off of Brian Pillman Jr., I thought this was really good for Brian Pillman Jr. Yeah, I like the spot. I, I like the, the, the push for Pillman Jr. Uh, I like the fact the audience and his crowd stayed with him. But I got to be honest, looking at this as a whole, you know, MJF is out there berating Linda, berating Pillman Jr.'s sister. And like Pillman Jr. comes out and cuts like this return to hometown promo. I'm like, okay, right. that's fine. And then MJF takes it a step further and, and disrespects his mother's name and, and, allude, and you know, alludes to a, a drug issue. Like at that point, and then now Pillman Jr. charges the ring and Wardlow stops him. And again, we had to serve the we had to serve the storyline of the Wardlow MJF thing. But I to me, I was just like, it took way too long for Pillman Jr. to get to, to attempt to get physical and actually get physical. Yeah. Like, to me, it should have been, especially by the Metheny line, you, you, no Wardle or anything is standing in between you and MJF. You are getting, you know, get to MJF, get some serious shots, and let Wardle then pull. I, I don't know. But, like, I felt like at the end of it, I was like, I don't know. I feel like Pillman Jr. looks like he got a little punked here. Now, I will say, and I would go do you one better in terms of, I think, in terms of him attacking, it did stick out like a sore thumb that he didn't do it immediately. Like, the guy's making fun of your mom on national television. Before he even gets to that line, I was thinking when you hear his music, he was going to come out there looking for blood. But the thing that I didn't like about the segment is that he came out and he was, like, trying to get the fans on his side, given how serious that this is, how personal NJF had gotten to this point. I don't think it was very wise for him to come out there uh, celebrating like that. And yeah, I can definitely see your point there, but I did think for the most part, I thought Brian Pillman did look good in terms of how he came off of the segment. And I like they try to at least explain why he wasn't getting physical um, at that point by having Wardlow step in there. I think it did make Wardlow look good, but yeah, yeah, he could have done that much earlier. Yeah. So MJF, uh, Nothing, nothing, all, nothing out of bounds. It seems uh, there in that in that promo. MJF yeah, getting some they, some, some real joke and everything. Yeah, some real crazy heat. Um, you know, and that's 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 not as common. And some of it is, you know, some of it is just, uh, or a lot of it, I think, is guys. A lot of guys don't want to be true heels. They want to be heels for that twenty minutes they're told to go out there, but they still want to sell merch and they want to be talked about positively on social media and they want to be asked for pictures you know and like mjf lives it he does he he he, he sticks to it he lives it i mean some people even argue too far he's made kids cry at meet and greets i mean he I he it. is not afraid to be hated in a time where most people want to play bad guy but they don't actually want to live bad guy yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence that he's one of the biggest stars in the business that type of commitment usually has good results if you're talented which he is 
got Nathaniel Cook back at it. Dollar ninety nine. He says more impactful to wrestling, Alfred. Uh, Ring of Honor or ECW? An interesting question. If you're going to give AEW all this credit, you have to give Ring of Honor credit because not only did they kind of steal their whole model in terms of having all out with Ring of Honor's resources and then coming here and to this day uh, signing a lot of guys who made their names in ROH. So I think to the modern day. You know, ECW is like the what uh, ECW was to WCW in terms of like, or ROH is like what ECW was to WCW in terms of them kind of taking their talent. Um, but I think ECW, in terms of the grand scheme of things, because the direction that WWE was kind of forced to go in because of ECW, uh, really led to its biggest period. I think ECW is just doing a lot of wild, outlandish things that are still just cult favorites. And I think it'll take time for us to remember ROH like that, if ever. Yeah, Ring of Honor really uh, seems like they were the ones that got booted from the cool kids table, huh? I mean, like here we are, AEW, you know, the the the, the new cool kid in town with all the fancy cars and, and getting all the and throwing all the best parties, and they're and they're and they're and they're inviting and, and sharing the drinks and snacks with uh, Impact, and they're sharing and the snacks with New Japan, and you know even even to a lesser extent with uh, MLW in some ways, uh, you know that's, that's how they got Pillman Jr. You know, <laughs> but there's Ring of Honor, yeah, Ring of Honor. They see the Bucks and Cody and all of all of their guys uh, get free from Japan and. Oh, we're gonna start this revolution here in the states, and oh, we might even have a financial backer to help do this. And uh, let's do the ROH model for the all and <laughs> ROH things. All right, we're going to war with WWE. Nope, you, you guys can go over there. We got this. Yeah, we'll call you. Don't call us. And that's exactly kind of what happened. It was kind of you know, Gary Jester. God bless him, helped them and gave him all the secrets. And and I remember saying at one point, I said something along the lines of like, I hope these guys are under contract. I hope they're signed. You know, because you know, I hope it's not just like a handshake deal. They're getting all this resources, and you know, there, there was some pushback. Like, oh, stop being so cynical. Which that is a cynical thing to say, but that's exactly what I was kind of afraid of for ROH is that. Then these guys would turn around knowing what this, how the sausage is made and go make their own sausage. Make their own sausage. Um, nightmare. <laughs> nightmare knee, $20. The only discrepancy that I see is the ex-WWE guys come across so much more polished than anybody else with the exception of MGF and a Britt Baker. It's the only thing that bothers me sometimes, but I love this company. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's some fairness to that, Nightmare Knee. I mean, certainly the ex-WWE guys, for the most part, have just had more live TV experience. Um, and I know some fans who might not care about that or might not uh, have ever worked in, you know, TV or, or any type of form of, of, of media might not understand what that means, but there is something to understanding, like, especially timing live TV is a, a, a timing is, a, is, I mean, cause you know, they don't have an overrun. You see it. They are off hard at 10 and they got TNT as a movie or whatever program after the fact, like, so, you know, timing is a big thing. And if, if you run long early on the show, you need to compensate that because you damn sure don't want your main event to get shortchanged. So, you know, I, I think there is something that WWE guys do know where to look. They know where cameras are. They know, you know, how to how to slow it down and let a reaction come across on a camera. So I think that is fair. But but on the flip side of that, the more of those guys there uh, to, to that know that they can help pass that on and help expedite the learning process. For a jungle boy, for uh, you know, just pick any 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 younger guy who's an AEW homegrown who who this is their first live TV go around. So uh, th- that's part of the advantage of having these veterans in the locker room is, is veterans know things and they can pass it on to the next generation. Yeah, it's a very good point because now that I think about it, the way Adam Cole kind of took his time going to the ring and basking and everything, and I think he does a good job presenting himself. Miro does a good job of that, and of course Malachi Black's entrance is I think one of the best things about AEW right now. 
Absolutely. All right, so we get Jamie Hader. She's up against Ruby Soho. And uh, Soho got the win. She gets attacked from behind, though, quickly by Britt and Rebel. And then Rio and Statlander try to come out to chase off the heels. Uh, but I think the thing to note here, Alfred, uh, Ruby's first match, you know, first one on one match. And uh, this was a, I mean, this, this was, this was a, I mean, she didn't, I don't know. I guess, again, I, I expect her to come in and look a little more dominant, but they, they really gave Jamie Hader a lot to this. Yeah, they did. It was a 50-50 match, and there were a couple of kind of blown spots. It wasn't their best work because I did have high expectations for this one. Uh, and I just don't think even if they did have what I you know, would consider a really good match, I was very surprised at how competitive it was. And I just don't think in terms of all the enthusiasm about Ruby Soho that this was the best way to showcase her because even the backstage segment we were talking about I thought was very well done. And if we're building toward Ruby Soho and Britt Baker, uh, I don't think this is a match to have. And you know, even technically how they executed it, unfortunately, wasn't the most smooth match. But uh, you know, it was very, very weird. I thought it didn't do any favors to her. No, and and I don't know, I, I don't know. I don't have haters, Jamie Hater's bio in front of me. I don't know how much experience she has. I don't know. Um, it, I, I don't. I think she's definitely on the shorter side I, or the earlier side of things in her career, yeah. uh, which is fine. But and I get the booking situation and decision. Okay, you're building to Ruby and Britt, so you have Ruby, you know, have to go through Britt's, um, you know, Britt, Britt's posse, Britt's, Britt's hench, hench, henchwoman, but. Yeah, but not neither of her henchwomen in Rebel or Jamie Hader are seasoned veterans bell to bell. So like, right. That, that, yeah, you're right. It's 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 a interesting choice for Ruby's first again live TV match. Not it's not like this is on a taped rampage where you can clean it up or 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 something like that. So, um, but nonetheless, you know, I, I think there's I don't really think it deflated the excitement. I'm still excited to see a Ruby and sure. Britt once whenever we get to it. All right, we get a uh, trios match. Spear, Sean Spears and FTR up against the Dark Order. Um, Spears and FTR are going to get the win here, but the story is really the Dark Order. The Dark Order, both in an interview, pre-tape interview prior, and then we saw it live in the match of arguing over who's the legal man, and then we saw infighting afterwards. Just the Dark Order, Alfred, cannot get along. They are just at odds. Them, there, everybody, the, the ladies, uh, Ty Conti and, and Anna Jay are trying to are just screaming at them. You, you bunch of dumb knuckleheads, get get on the same page. Dark order, just uh, the, 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 they're imploding from the within. Just in time for Hangman Adam Pace to come back. I think that's going to be the resolution. I mean, I he's not coming back at all for the Fleshing Meta show. Is that is he going to be long past that? Well, I don't know. He he, he took time off. Obviously, I think his, his his wife is they're expecting a child. So congrats. I don't know what his timeline is, but right. I tweeted this out. This is the only tweet that I made live about the show. It's kind of my team. and then I teased to come watch you and I here. The commentary kept putting it over. Dark order. They're having problems. They're 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 all sorts of chaotic and on on different pages. And because because of, of a lack of leadership, they have no leader. You know, of course we know we 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 lost unfortunately in real life tragically that we lost their their leader, the exalted one, and Mr. Brody Lee. So they don't have a leader. You know, Evil Uno is trying to like, you know, he's he's like he's like the eighteen year old who's been left to like you know police the house party and police the younger kids, but he's not. They don't really take him seriously. So that's like kind of where we're headed. Is there's a lack of leader. I mean, if you want a leader of a cult and you're looking at that free agent pool really? and you're looking at a guy who everybody knows can make a real life connection to a Mr. Brody Lee and honor his memory, God rest his soul. I had to just put a, a, a gif of Bray Wyatt just doing this. <laughs> I mean, Winter come Matunda. on. Come on. It, it may it does fit it does fit to have Wyndham Rotunda join uh, the Dark Order as uh, in his next incarnation. I'm very excited to see wherever he goes. I don't know. I don't know if that. I don't even know if his contract will be up by then. I think it's October when uh, Bray Wyatt would be available. And I just you mean it's no compete. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, well, he was released. Even if it is, though, I mean, you can you could draw this out. I mean, the next pay-per-view is what, in November, I think? Sure, sure. If they're, yeah, it depends on how long they're going to draw it out. I would have no problem with uh, Bray Wyatt with the Dark Order. I just think creatively, uh, of all the people who have gotten a chance to let their legs stretch out creatively and do their own things, uh, I think Bray Wyatt is the type of talent who would benefit from it the most. But I don't think it's a foregone conclusion he's going to AEW. It would be fun if he did, but... Um, uh, yeah, it'd be great if he did, but I just kind of tend to think, I don't know when Hangman Adam Page is coming back or what his timeline is, but it'd be hard to imagine. Maybe he will miss the uh, September 22nd show because it's just around the corner, but if it's not that, maybe it is Bray Wyatt. Yeah, so Bray was released on July 31st. Uh, so with the next pay-per-view being, I think, November 12th or 13th, full gear, yeah. he would be available by then. Okay. If that, in fact, was a you know a hook. That'd be great. Just something to keep it. I don't know. I just, you know, you look at who who's synonymous in this day and age to lead a cult. And again, the connection with Brody from their pre, again, previous incarnations. And I just, I just feel like, you know, I, I know, I know earlier I'm talking about the bubble and how many talents can he gain, but I mean, right. the, the man, I guess we should call him Rotunda, you know, his creative depth is, is deeper than most this day and age. And obviously, you know, really, you know, we, we saw bits and pieces of it with it, you know, especially in the last run with the fiend of his, character uh uh abilities but just yeah. booking decisions of oh well, we got to have him lose the goal work here or oh we got to you know like just decisions that just made you go what what what's going on here yeah, so that's he, all it was, really i would not what i'm saying is i would not fault tony tony khan from writing a big check to get <laughs> no not at all that would see that would be a, a little bit different in terms of them dipping into different waters of former wwe superstars I, I mean i know that they have a lot of former wb guys but i consider guys like adam cole whether it's a kevin owens who you're hearing rumors about they're kind of of that same dereliction of guys who kind of made their name on the indies that bte crew that mm -hmm. uh, they're kind of filling up and i think Wyndham Rotunda would be a different flavor than that i mean the, the only other cult guy you just associated be like i mean braun Strowman's out there as a free agent yeah, obviously he started in the Wyatt family, but he kind of broke off of that. But, I mean, you know, you have Malachi Black, if you want to yeah. I mean, Malachi Black's one of the few guys in the AEW roster right now who's solo, who he's unattached to any faction or, uh, you know, associates. You know, but but I kind of feel like the Dark Orders become such baby faces. They, they, they went from being this, they went from being the heel lackey, were, were come recruiting to the dark side, to then, obviously, we've talked about, they got baby faced. Um, some of it because of the untimely and, and unfortunate death of brody but also just they, they started just getting over to the comedy and their and their entertainment chops uh on dynamite or on some of the web extras so i kind of feel like when bray comes i have to i'm just gonna call him bray until he's anything else sure, yeah. <laughs> when bray comes in he's gonna he's gonna get a pop he's gonna he's he, this, this is a guy that just people want to cheer his again his creativity so i feel like that would just gel really nicely with the dark order um you know You'd be perfect. It's the role he was essentially born to play in terms of what the Dark Order is and if he is going to go to AEW. Yeah. We'll I will see. say, though, Evil Uno has sent some tweets kind of a little salty about the ideas because I'm sure he's been badgered so many times in terms of Bray Wyatt being the leader of the Dark Order that he's kind of sarcastically saying, oh, well, yeah, Bray Wyatt should be our leader. So I, I don't know how he'll take it. But uh, wouldn't it be great? Order. Wouldn't it be great if you had like some situation, like some some spooky situation of like, you know, we're, we're building, we need a leader. Evil Uno's trying to say, I can be the leader, but they're all like resisting against him. And and then we get a situation where like all of a sudden, you know, lights and 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 and, and ba Ballyhoo and, and what have you. And then we see Evil Uno in his suit and his mask and then lights and lights and Ballyhoo. And then we all of a sudden they come back up. And we see somebody else dressed exactly like him. Suit, mask. Is it even does evil Uno have a have an evil twin? And the mask comes off and it's a Bray Wyatt. 
Beautiful. I, I, just, I, just, I just I just booked that live here on the fact. Yeah. <laughs> he just booked the biggest pot that they can get. That's amazing. <laughs> maybe, maybe. All right. Um, so we get uh, be, uh, we get the elite. They come out for an in ring promo. Uh, they introduce Adam Cole. Adam Cole. Just as soon as he comes out, and he's getting the Adam Cole baby pop, and everybody's happy to see Adam Cole. <laughs> Adam Cole. He just reverts right into being that little prick. He walks up to Tony Schiavone and says, "You stay away from Britt Baker. Don't you even give her a dirty look, or I'll beat your old ass. You nerd. Calls him a nerd repeatedly. Gets him out of the ring. So immediately gets the fans booing on him." Tremendous work. Phenomenal continuity. Yeah, I wonder how many weeks he's sitting in the NXT locker room watching AEW on his phone, just like if that if that guy gets too close to Britt Baker. No, no, but I love that. I love that they did this in terms of they knew he was gonna get cheered, they knew he was gonna get the Adam Cole baby. So what are we gonna do? Not only just go after Tony Shivani for quote unquote cheap heat, but this is legitimate in terms of this guy is on camera, best friends with Britt Baker, and that is just that is just like you said, a little prick, like the bully in high school who was kind of bullying the, the guy who was friends with a hot girl and his girlfriend. It's a perfect trope for Adam Cole to play. And I could see them carrying out on being the elite. I could see like them making a reoccurring thing to where like Adam Cole walks into a room or walks in a hall and like sees Tony Schiavone in a in a very a misunderstood situation. <laughs> like looks like Shivani's going to hug Britt, but he's actually like going to like you know whatever like i could just and i could just see them making like a reoccurring just again just for cole to be a, a prick heel and just for comedy laughs oh, uh, of the whole dynamic well we so cool triangle storyline between shivani and wow well, let's not go let's not go let's not go into long let's just, let's just go let's just go into misunderstood yeah okay <laughs> um <laughs> real quick i'll do the super chat real quick jb 499 uh, in your in a segment with MJF or Brit or anyone else in that case, you could can't let them verbally job job you out. Soho and Jr. has Soho and uh, Soho and uh, Pillman Jr. has to do better. Promos matter. Uh, yeah, not so much Soho. R- R- Ruby's is fine. R- 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 look, it's a fact. She she did get she was sitting in catering or what have you. So like, you can't. What what's the past is the past. So use it to help. If it helps get some juice behind your match with Brett, that's fine. Again, Pillman Jr., I do think, I mean, his family was like really berated. I think that he needed yeah. to get, he again, he just needed to get physical faster. But I agree. Um, yeah, that's that. All right. So back to the in ring. So Cole comes out. He gets some heat now, kicking Shivani out. Uh, he talks about how AEW is the best place in professional wrestling. It is the best. And he says it's because all the guys that are in the ring, uh, and he names. Uh, the young bucks. He names Kenny Omega. He doesn't. He he, he leaves out Gallows and Anderson. They're yeah, not even. I didn't say anything about them. I don't know what that's about, but um. So Omega then gets back on. Talks about how they hate being interrupted. Well, Brian Danielson interrupts him again. Uh, now Omega excuses the rest of the elite. Tells him to go to the outside of the ring. And now we have Brian and Omega face to face in the ring. Crowd's going crazy. And uh, Brian Danielson, you know, saying, come on, I, I want you. And, and then Omega saying it doesn't work like that here. And, and Brian's saying it's because you're scared. It's because you think that you're on this level that nobody else is on. And Brian basically says, I am on the level that you and nobody else is on. Uh, and just kind of challenging him verbally right there. And then uh, Brian takes down Omega and quickly gets him in a submission. The elite jump in. They start beating down on him. Here comes Jurassic Express, Christian, Kazarian, all to try to even the numbers. Uh, they eventually chase off the elite. So uh, certainly a lot to unpack here. After we, 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 you know, we saw Cole and Jungle Boy kind of pair off for a minute. So, I mean, we have singles feuds, you know, evolving out of this. We certainly have a, a 10-man tag or something burning out of this. So a lot of 
uh, a lot of content, a lot of, a lot of booking uh, that can be done. It's going to occupy the next few weeks and months. Uh, but Brian Danielson, in the end, it looks like he is going to be the next one of the next challengers for Kenny Omega. You good with that? Uh, I'm good with that. I guess it's inevitable, but I don't know about how they came about this in terms of Daniel Bryan essentially saying, hey, man, in WWE, we could just cut our way to the top. And Kenny Omega very rightfully saying things don't work like that here. I don't think that's a heel line that you kind of have to earn your way. We just saw a match with Christian who had never lost in AEW. That's how he earned his way. And we usually see people go with wins and losses. And if they get more wins, they get the title shot. And so Daniel Bryan just poo-pooed that. Kenny Omega said it doesn't work that way. And these crowd, these fans turned on him. And this was the AEW fans. Like, yeah, it doesn't work that way in <laughs> AEW. Uh, but, you know, not to nitpick too much. I'm sure, you know, the match in terms of Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega is a marquee match. I'm just not sure I liked how they went about this. Well, again, they do have until November, if that, if that would be the spot where they do that match. So, I mean, you, you have you, – there's a lot of weeks for Brian to, like, continue to be denied and continue just to rack up wins. Right. Um. You know, so that again, that could be kind of the deal here is Brian's going to earn his way uh, to it. Um, but yeah, Are I mean, I, this match on September 22nd at the Flushing Meadows. They, they didn't say. I think the only matches they announced for that, they announced again Pillman and MJF. Um, and then the Cody match. Did they announce Cody and Black? I believe they did toward the end. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I would imagine the. Arthur Ashe, I could see that being the the ten man tag. I could see that being the the, the two groups that we've seen. I could see Brian with you know Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, Christian, uh, and company versus you know Bucks, Kenny, um, and Cole. Uh, I could see that. I could see that really you know being something yeah. to, to build that show around. All right, and finally we get the uh, main event for the local crowd tonight. It is uh, you know John Moxley going up against uh, Minoru Suzuki, uh, who is a longtime veteran. Yeah, they, they they did a good job trying to give some backstory to him. Of course, you can you know, Google him if you'd like to get some um, get some history on him. He's a MMA sh- he worked an MMA career, a very violent uh, pro wrestling career. Uh, so this is something we get here. Moxley versus him. Uh, Suzuki gets busted open from the right eye. Yeah. And I, and I put emphasis on that because, you know, like Dustin Rhodes got busted up and was bleeding the opening match out of his mouth. I, I don't know if it was what it was, you know, what caused that, uh, you know, and you obviously the famous, you see blood coming from the, from the forehead, but from the right eye, <laughs> that, that's some hard, that's some hard, hard way shit there, Alfred. Yeah, and why not? I mean, this this I mean, this match did I wouldn't say it needed blood, but based on the brawl that we were promised, it did enhance the match and that was just a, an insane visual and Ryo Suzuki just like a pro was just licking his blood and wiping it all over himself. I mean, this is a savage match and I, I do think that it kind of leveled up after he was busted open. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, cuz you're right. When you think a match needs blood to help the story, you're like, okay, Usually, when there's needed for blood, and if they're going to manufacture blood, you know where the blood's going. The right eye is not where yeah. you know you know not, not where you're looking for blood to come from. Um, yeah, so this match, you know, it was what it was. Obviously, Moxie again, a hometown hero. You know, he gets the win, so that that is that. They they go home with him celebrating in the crowd. You know, look, they certainly take the alter alternative compared to WWE. They certainly look at you know WWE for whatever warped reasons look at hometowns as a weird way to embarrass or humble talent in a way or, or piss the audience off. And it's just, and just, it's just perpetual heat that never gets a payoff of we're going to bury your hometown person. You're going to get mad about it, but we're never going to get you. We're never going to give you a reason to see payoff. Tony Khan and AEW at least look at it as this is a head start. 
we're going to a town. We have talent that are from that town or at least build from that town. We have a head start of getting pops and getting them over. They built Pittsburgh around Brit and, and the fact that Wardlow came up here and, and they've done that with they did the Texas. They built around Ricky Starks, um, you know, Chicago, obviously CM Punk. I mean, they, you know, they, they, they Cincinnati. I mean, so I, I can't fault them that. Cause again, if you're a new company, if you're a new or newer company, why would you not, if you're trying to move tickets, why would you not try to get the head start and just position whoever the hometown, uh, you know, you know, connection is and and put them in the most favorable spot possible that should be a rule of thumb new or old company i mean they're just wasting their opportunity in wb by insisting on beating people in their hometown because it's almost like a sport you have to look at it that way in terms of there's going to be home teams there's going to be road teams and the cool thing about people getting over in their hometown is that then when you look on national television and you see a brick baker and these people are going crazy for her yeah they're in pittsburgh but if you're kind of a casual fan on the fence of, of who these people are you're looking at that and you're seeing somebody presented as a superstar and wrestling is a copycat business so once people start doing the dmds in pittsburgh and she gets really over in pittsburgh and it looks like a lot of fun the next cities are going to want to do that regardless of if they're in their hometown and so it's just based on creating stars and you could do that a lot of times within people's hometown we see this with manny pacquiao how he's just a god uh with the philippines and that kind of transcends to other areas in the country and if you do that with each and every single one of your top talent i think then you're going to be able to build more mainstream stars across the board no for sure it is one of those it is one of those alternative things that AEW does that seems so simple, but it's such an alternative because WWE seems to have, yeah, you know, just complicated the, the matter for whatever reason. Uh, but yeah, if you got a if you got a, if you got a local person, use it, use them. You know, it's hundred percent. That's not? like what the territories were built on is that you got to get the guy who whether it's you know that's why they'd have Ric Flair go to certain territories because they loved him in those places. So he ended up having like people think he's from Minnesota. People think he's from the Carolinas. People think he's from Florida because eventually they would adopt him as a hometown because it became the cool thing based on him in North Carolina to like Ric Flair. No, that's actually, that's a great point with Flair. I mean, you build from Charlotte, yeah, but then, you know, he, he's just as over in Georgia because of Georgia championship wrestling and, 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 and the NWA foundation, that foundation there. But then there's a, there's talent in South Carolina that are, you know, Flairville or Horseman Country, but then yeah, he's from Minnesota. He's originally yeah, from Minnesota. Like <laughs> it's just like yeah. I mean, you know what what, what a way what a way to ma- you know maximize your uh, you know your, your your local your your local cachet. Um. All right. Well, that was dynamite tonight. I mean, after all, I gotta say, I think this is one of the best dynamites they've done. I, I mean, obviously I they, they were they, they they were loaded. They had so many bullets in the chamber here. I mean, they had so much to. To, to to build around and they crammed again so much in the two hours i think this is one of the best dynamites just from the you gotta tune in because you want to see what's going to happen and it flew by it was one of the fastest episodes i ever remember watching in terms of by the time it was over i see that moxley and suzuki only have 10 minutes and i was like wow like where did all the other time go and they really did get from segment to segment without things seeming that they didn't belong and i i passed a couple of AEW was kind of relaxed and had some stuff that I didn't feel should be on the show, but this was not one of those shows. I really, it really did feel like a good follow up to what many feel is the best pay per view they've ever had. For sure, uh, it's you know it, it is a crazy time right now. We obviously this AEW momentum cannot be denied. Uh, a new NXT will be unveiled next Tuesday. Uh, we've seen the uh, the promo. It, it looks like it's it, the, the, the promo looks like it's brightening up and it's got more yeah. of a almost like a coliseum kind of feel if those sketches yeah, kind of like are a little bowl theater or something like that yeah. i'm very interested to see what this looks like and they're gonna let up that show so we're, we're gonna have fun with this on tuesday 
Yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, SmackDown's you know SmackDown's got momentum too. Let's not be denied. SmackDown has got momentum. They're over two million, which that's you know, relative, relatively speaking, that's good. Um, you know, for a Friday night wrestling show, uh, it's live, thank God. Uh, you know, but they're doing pretty good, and they got obviously Brock Lesnar. They're they're in the Garden TV at the Garden this Friday. Uh, WWE TV in the Garden, so at MSG. So, you know, NXT's got a weird bit of momentum and curiosity voyeurism of we're all tuning in to see what's this new nxt project that's going on uh smackdown's got momentum aew's got momentum it's just that damn monday night raw <laughs> just... yeah raw's dragging everybody down but uh you know <laughs> and then nfl is coming back pretty soon i just did my fantasy draft and you know i'm ready to defend my title but uh it's gonna be very tough for monday night raw going head to head with uh football because every year it seems to take a little bit of a bite out of that audience and more of a bite than it did the year before. So I'm a little bit worried about Raw. But I will say, you're right about SmackDown because SmackDown, two weeks after that SummerSlam bump, they've maintained that SummerSlam bump. People have not fled SmackDown in terms of that two uh, sub two million that they're doing. And then they're going to be in the garden, which I expect to do a very good number. So it's really, you know, SmackDown's quietly building a lot of momentum. They are, they are. Yeah, you're talking about the NFL. My Washington football team. Hey, look, don't sleep on them. I know that, I know they were... I know they were. I know they were a a subpar team that got to make the playoffs because of the division last year. No, no. But they're going to be fun. They're going to. I, I think they win the NFC East. All right. I'm I wouldn't be surprised you. if they did. I'm heavily invested in this offense. Terry McLaurin is my guy. I love scary Terry. Scary Terry killed it for me. I've had him on my fantasy teams every year. He's been in the NFL this year. I think he's going to be his best. Gibson's coming back, and they got Fitzpatrick, who just doesn't give a you know what in terms of throwing it all over the field and getting the ball deep. They're going to be a fun offense to watch. And then of course Chase Young is a beast. Well, yeah, you have Fitz Magic, and then you have Scary Terry, and Scary Terry had been good in his first, what, two years yeah. with nobody else really as a threat. But now you add uh, Curtis Samuel, you know, oh, yeah. even even Adam Humphreys, I think they signed from Tampa, who yeah. just there's just no room for him in Tampa. So he's he's a pretty good third. You know, the, the, Logan the, the Thomas the, is going to be a good tight end. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and Fitz has a way of just, I mean, yeah, scary Terry, if, 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 if you haven't done your draft yet, if you, or, or if you do the week-to-week gambling, don't 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 you look out for Terry McLaren as as a good as a good yardage uh yeah. guy to grab here. I, I'm up Chase Young. I mean, all, everybody's talking about Aaron McDonald and T.J. Watt here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I know it's only been one year for Chase, but Chase Young is going to be in that conversation here after the next year or two if he stays healthy. So certainly, very excited. All right, well, all of my all of my Washington football team pandering to gave time for one more super chat. So Raj gets a little bit more money before we sign off. Uh, Feth Dar five dollars says I worry about Lashley because Raw sucks, and it's not his fault. <laughs> I thought Lashley was actually great, especially Lashley and MVP. I think their pairing was really good. Monday Night Raw kind of felt like they were punting. I mean, there was a lot of tag team wrestling that I thought was you know they had some good matches, but it was kind of one story that they were telling the whole show that didn't really advanced past second gear until you found out who won so i you know it, raw is tough but i do think lashley and mvp have been a bright spot of raw i agree and mcintyre mcintyre's just been having one great match after another sheamus has been working his ass off and they, they're making damian priest so they're doing stuff it's just really hard to get through raw and it just doesn't sometimes it just seems so disjointed in terms of how it comes across on tv yeah it feels two hours to be easier it's just hard yeah, yeah i mean like damian priest and riddle are two things yeah. to get excited about because you're like and well, Lashley too, but I mean, you know, Lashley's the champion. Um, but like, yeah, Priest and Riddle, it's like, all right, here is building to the future. The, these are guys that like you start getting excited for like potential mania coming out part. Like, where could they become mania next spring? Um, 
you know, Lashley's doing great work. It's just, it's just, it's just the, it's just the three hours, just too damn long for every single week. Just not, it's not nothing. Nothing should be three hours every week. Nothing. I agree. You know, I mean, even NFL games struggle at times trying to have those three hours games uh, with TV and everything else. So, especially some of these Monday night games that they can't flex out of, and you have to see like the yeah, you know, the Browns and the Dolphins or something like that. Although the Browns are good this year, we think they're good. I mean, we think they, they're they're, like, we'll see. Here's what I think with the Browns, and I and I, I and I'm, I'm I live in Pittsburgh, but I'm not a Steelers fan, so I I I find perverse joy when the Steelers shit the bed. <laughs> so. <laughs> When they're down twenty-eight nothing to the Browns last year in the play in, in that game, I'm just howling at, at, at hilarity. But I will say, prior to that, the for the Browns to get to the you know they like you know they 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 made it harder on themselves. They they took it down to the final week of the regular season for them to you know like they they should they could have put it away earlier and they 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 kind of so I'm 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 still trying to see like all right are the Browns for real like. You know, and you're in an AFC that's really tough. You, know, you got a, a, you got KC, you got Buffalo. You, you know, you, you the, the Ravens in your own division are, are still tough, despite the running back. Like, so I'm like, I want the Browns to be good because I kind of feel for them because I kind of feel like, you know, as a Washington football fan, I can relate to the Browns of just like the organization being an embarrassment for so many years of how it's ran. So I want the Browns to be good because they're an AFC, they're not a threat to me. But it's like, I'm not yet there buying into it. Yeah, yeah, it, it, that is one of those kind of old school teams. The NFL will be better when they because they've never even been to a Super Bowl, so I'm sure it'll be a big story for Cleveland. But you know, we'll, we'll see about the Browns. I still uh, the Packers over the Bills in the Super Bowl, just so I have that on record. I was gonna say, yeah, your, your boy Aaron Rodgers. He's uh, yeah. I mean, it's all kumbaya there. Is it all gonna be fine? Yeah, yeah, we're all good. It's the last uh-huh. dance. We're gonna, you know, Aaron Rodgers has uh, got something to prove, and he's never better than when he does. So him and Devontae Adams are gonna make magic again. It's not Fitz magic, but it'll be magic. <laughs> All right. Well, that that's been the offshoot football podcast on the wrestling podcast. We didn't really lose much viewership though, from what I can see. People are still digging oh, no, into yeah, it. They, so. they know what's up. They they want these yeah. tips. People are taking notes for the drafts. That's their exactly. they're, they're taking notes. <laughs> All right. Well, as long as as long as the Cowboys shit the bed, it's all that matters to me. So we'll oh, tune yeah. into that tomorrow night. <laughs> so, all right, tune into that tomorrow night because there's no podcast tomorrow night. Everybody will be back Friday after SmackDown for a podcast here on Wrestling Inc. Uh, Alfred, anything coming up on Forbes we should know about? Uh, just follow me on Forbes at Mrs. Nasty. Got some coverage on uh, Rampage's ratings, how they've done since CM Punk, and uh, gonna have some stuff coming to the pipeline this weekend as well. So this is Nasty Pro Wrestling Bits on YouTube and on Forbes. Love it, love it. Uh, you can follow me at Justin Labar. I'll be next live on the airwaves Friday morning on Busted Open Radio as I am on Sirius XM Channel 156 every single Friday. You can listen on your Sirius XM satellite radio or you can download the app and listen on demand. So if you can't listen right at 10 o'clock when I'm on in the morning, you can catch it whenever. I'm on with Mark Henry and Dave LaGreca. Ought to be a lot to talk about, so I'm looking forward to that. Follow me at Justin Labar, and we'll be back next Wednesday as uh, all this fun time as a wrestling fan continues here in the world of pro wrestling on Wrestling Inc. Like, subscribe, leave a comment. We appreciate it. That's going to do it. Good night. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.